Hello everybody, this is your host Adam Danye in this wonderful podcast Things That Matter in Life podcast uh, Today I'm delighted to present you, to bring you some, not really some, but uh, one great interview between the great Larry King and Dr. River and uh, Billy Graham that took place in 1988. It was fascinating interview, fascinating conversation. I hope you guys will get so many golden nuggets out of it. So stay tuned. look up evangelism in the dictionary, you would get a picture of our next guest, the Reverend Billy Graham. Reverend Graham is the author of an extraordinary new book, uh, a book that someone might question putting in the title, Facing Death and the Life After. There is its cover, done in black with gold and white lettering. It is published by Word Books. Before we talk about this book and the title, uh, they're going to have an extraordinary thing at this Super Bowl. Both teams are going to get together for a prayer. That's right. Uh, that's, a, that's a marvelous thing. I know Dan Reeves of the Broncos very well, and I know Joe Gibbs very well. In fact, I called Joe Gibbs this afternoon and talked to his wife and uh, told him that I'd be praying for them while they have prayer because there's been some critical comments made about it. I think it's great. Together, right? This is a first. This is a first in the history of NFL, uh, any kind of game. And I think it's tremendous. And I know you know Joe Namath very well. Oh, I know Joe Namath. And uh, I remember when he first came to one of our meetings and the Joe uh, uh, Bear Bryant brought him on the platform. Joe looked a little uncomfortable sitting on the platform. <laughs> and before... Uh, He's a marvelous guy. Oh, the best. Before we get into the book, are you a little... Reverend Dorch is going to be here Monday. Are you, as kind of the seer of all of this, the first, basically, television evangelist, are you a little embarrassed by all that's happened? Uh, yes, uh, I have not made any comments about it. I stayed out of it completely. I had about 360 requests for interviews mm. on that subject from Britain, from Australia, from different parts of the world. And I decided that I would just not say anything. Uh, but uh, I think most uh, clergy are a little embarrassed, but it hasn't hurt the church. It hasn't hurt the prayer groups and the Bible study groups, and it certainly hasn't hurt our work. How about the income? Well, in my own work, for example, it's up this year, the highest in its history, well, for about 4 or 5%, but our expenses are even higher than that. Admittedly, though, and, and I guess it may be hard because you are modest, uh, you're held apart from the rest, aren't you? Don't you think? Well, I don't know. We were, you know, when, when they, at the height of all the publicity and all the things, we held a crusade. We call them crusades. In the big uh, stadium in Columbia, South Carolina, 90 miles south of of uh, Heritage Village, which I've never visited. Never been there? Never been there. Even though they have my mother's house at the very entrance, they bought it uh, from uh, the people that bought it from my family. I did not have any part of it. And they advertised that? Oh, my. I think they raised a lot of money that, uh, on that. And, and that you couldn't was a, do anything about it? I couldn't do a thing about it. In so fact, I didn't, I didn't own any part of the house to sell it to this uh, entrepreneur who oh. was going to build uh, condominiums there. <laughs> what happened in your crusade? You drew well? Yes, we averaged. We had the largest uh, religious audiences in the history of South Carolina every night. And people came from everywhere. And it didn't hurt us at all. In fact, uh, Maybe it helped. I don't know. <laughs> when you get the idea to write a book, 
And you go to the publishers, the word publishing is a famous religious publisher, maybe the most famous. Yes, well, uh, they're owned by the American Broadcasting Company, and I didn't, went there because of them. Didn't somebody say, Billy, uh, death is something people don't like to talk about or read about, and certainly don't like in the title of books? Yes. Unless uh, it's fiction. I would say that two or three of the editors felt that it uh, was not the kind of a book that I ought to be writing. Why'd you write it? But I felt that uh, the Lord wanted me to write it because we face death every day. It's the most democratic thing in the whole world. It brings us all to the same level. Everybody's going to die. And as Bernard Shaw says, it's the greatest statistic in the world. One out of every one uh, dies. And C.S. Lewis, uh, the uh, British uh, professor, uh, said that war does not increase death. He said uh, death is total in every generation. Everybody <laughs> that we see walking on the streets, everybody that uh, we see every day, they're all going to be dead. And we all fear it. And we all fear it. And we have a right to it. It's called the last enemy. It's called the great enemy. It's called the king of terrors. How does Billy Graham approach it? Well, since I have received Christ into my heart, uh, the sting of death is gone. Now, for example, uh, last summer, my wife and I were coming back from Europe. We were on a plane, and suddenly there was an explosion. We thought a bomb had gone off. And the dishes went everywhere, and the, uh, the things oxygen. came down, the oxygen mask came down, all that sort of thing. And we never learned what happened. We were told later it was a bomb, and it was on an Air France plane. And um, they were having a lot of difficulty at that time. And uh, I didn't uh, feel nervous at that moment. It was too quick. But a little bit later, I began to feel nervous, and I thought to myself, am I afraid to die? And then I thought, uh, again, that it's instinctive to want to live. I mean, that's something God gave us. And if we don't have that sense of self-preservation, we would all die. We might go out and commit suicide. But I'm not afraid of death. I'm looking forward to death itself. I'm not looking forward to the dying process. In one of the great speeches ever made the night before he died, a man you knew very well, Dr. Martin Luther King yes. said, if the Lord were to take me now, yes. I have been to the top of the mountain. That's right. I've seen the other side. You have as well. That's right. I have seen the other side, and I've been with Martin Luther King, and we talked about it a number of times. Uh, mm -hmm. We went to Latin America together and spent a couple of weeks in Brazil together. What's there? What's on the other side? On the other side is either heaven or hell. That's true. That's what the Bible teaches. Mm -hmm. And you believe it. And I believe it, yes. Mm -hmm. And I believe that uh, for the believer and for the ones that uh, the Lord is going to take to heaven, it's going to be a gigantic experience. Is this a preachy thing. book? Are you telling me, find Christ and death's okay, and if I don't, death's terrible? In some places, you would get that impression. I'm not uh, exactly preaching. I'm telling you to make out a will. I'm telling you what euthanasia is. I'm telling you uh, all of these things that are being discussed about death today. This is not just a... Uh, a religious book. This is more than a religious mm. book. It's a, it's a practical book to tell you how to face death and then telling you about life after, ever after and how you mm. can find heaven and how you can make your commitment to God. And the, there's nobody who can talk about it better than you. Uh, when I was in the hospital, I don't want like to get personal on this show, but it relates to this book. I received a telegram from you, and you, you mentioned before we went on that you had prayed for me. That's right. Uh, do you believe that there is someone listening to that? I do. I believe it is, it is God. And I've seen people on your show who feel that somebody is channeling through them and so forth and all this other thing that's going on. You but feel I, the presence? I, I sense the presence of God, but I do not hear any voices. I do not have any 
outward ex experiences like that, but I do sense the presence of God. And God, I'm certain, is with me. And when I come to the moment of death, I believe that at that moment, there's going to be an angel that will take me by the hand and usher me into the presence of the Lord. And I'm going to be in His presence. And it's going to be the most peaceful, the most wonderful, the most thrilling moment that I have ever experienced. You ever doubt it? Never doubt it. That moment on the plane then was more instinct than I doubt. think it was instinct. Right and yeah. doubt. Oh, I didn't doubt. No, because I've had so many other experiences. I, I nearly died in the hospital once. I was operated on twice for the same thing. And uh, I thought that I wouldn't make it at that time. And uh, there was no fear. Our guest is Billy Graham. The book is Facing Death and the Life After. This is Larry King Live. We'll take some of your phone calls for this distinguished member of the clergy following these words. The book is Facing Death and the Life After. It's published by Word Books. Our guest is its author, the Reverend Dr. Billy Graham. Since he does crusades in both Denver and the nation's capital, we won't ask him to pick the winner of the Super Bowl. Black Mountain, North Carolina. Hello. Hello, Larry. Good evening, Dr. Graham. Uh, we've all been in situations before and saw something funny, but we couldn't laugh. Has the same thing ever happened to you, maybe when you were with a president or a world leader? That I couldn't laugh? Was that I don't understand the question, sir. Well, the, uh, sometimes you can be in church and, and you can see something funny happening, and it's a serious situation. Have you had funny things happen to you? Oh, absolutely, all the time. As a matter of fact, uh, I hope and I think I have a good sense of humor, and I, I do laugh a lot. And uh, there are things, in, and, and the thing that when I was a boy, I could laugh at almost anything in church. Any little thing would tickle you, you know. You mean you were a little, uh, a little ornery? A little ornery, in the, <laughs> in the church especially. <laughs> Augusta, hello. Uh, hello, Larry and uh, Reverend Graham. My question is uh, two parts. Uh, how do you feel about Jesse Jackson and Pat Robinson's uh, candidacies? And also, have you endorsed anybody for president yet? Okay. Uh, well, I'll take the first part. Uh, the last part first I have not endorsed anybody I do not intend to endorse anybody you made a mistake once in your life you're not <laughs> going to do it again right well uh, you one said time, it was a mistake yes, when you endorsed Richard Nixon I never did endorse him that's a mistake too the only candidate I ever endorsed and I did it by accident in one way was John Conley uh, for governor of Texas but really? uh, Mr. Nixon and I were just close personal oh. friends. I'd known his family long before. You didn't I knew endorse him, him against no, Kennedy. No, I did not. No. Uh, the Robertson... In fact, I played uh, golf with Kennedy five days before he was uh, inaugurated. Pat Robertson and the Jackson. And Kennedy. Jackson, I think they have every right to run. I think that uh, anybody has a right to run. We've always had clergy in politics in the United States, and they. Uh, many of them would make just as good a president, perhaps, as uh, any uh, movie actor out of Hollywood. You ever thought of running? Yes, uh, I was asked to run for uh, back in the 50s. The Scripps Howard newspapers came out with headlines and they, they ran it for several days that I was going to run for president. Walter Cronkite made a big thing out of it on his newscast. And my wife called me and she said, you know, I don't think the American people would vote for a divorced man. And in other words, she was telling me, don't you run. <laughs> <laughs> Charleston, South Carolina with Billy Graham, the book Facing Death. Hello. Yes, hi, Larry. Hi. Hello, Reverend Graham. Uh, I'd like to know two things. One, your stand on abortion in the case of violent rape. And two, how insulated do you feel you are from daily contact with the average American? In other words, how much do you 
hang out with the big wigs and how much of a chance do you get to to see the average person okay both questions well there. uh i spend uh, most of my time with the average people because where i live we don't have what they might call big wigs we may have a few that think they're big wigs but i live in the mountains of north carolina and we reared our family there deliberately to get away from New York and Washington and all the things that uh, go in these places and uh, in Bel Air, someplace like that, where we could have lived. And uh, so I do not hang out with just big wigs. If I play golf with Bob Hope or if I play golf with Jerry Ford or if I played golf with Mr. Nixon or Eisenhower, whoever it was, uh, that would get in the newspaper. And people thought that was all the friends I had. Most of my friends are ordinary people because in the crusades that I hold, I'm with people all the time, ordinary people. Abortion from violent rape. Yes, I, w I would be uh, for abortion in violent rape. I'm against abortion. I take the same stand that the Pope takes. I'm against abortion, except in cases of rape and in cases, and uh, violent rape, I would say, and then in cases where the mother's life is in danger. To Yakima, Washington, for Billy Graham, author of Facing Death. It's published by Word Books. Hello. Yes, Dr. Graham, uh, it's an honor to talk to you, and everybody that is associated with you and looks up to you admires your steadfastness through the years. Uh, two questions I'd like to know. One is, if you could stand before God and ask him one question, what would it be? And the other one is, when you're standing up on your pulpit and you give your invocation, you look like you're agonizing over decisions that people are going to make. Uh, I'd like to have you comment on that. Please. Yes, I am agonizing. In fact, that is the thing that wears me out the most, is those few minutes when I ask people to come forward to receive Christ into their hearts. I'm praying inside, and uh, there's something that goes out of me that I can only describe as something spiritual. I just do not know the answer to that question. Well, he's very observant, though. He's very observant. Uh, what would you ask God? I didn't get that first question, oh. frankly. What, what would you ask, ask God? If I had one yeah. question, I would ask him that uh, he fill me with his Holy Spirit and that give me the ability to do his will every day. He's already done that. I'm, I have to be more obedient. You wouldn't ask about why he lets children die? I know the answer to that. You do? I believe he, that's in this book. If you read that book, you'll find I've got a whole chapter along that line. I believe that God has a plan for everyone, and if that child, let's say, had lived, he might have uh, gotten into all kinds of trouble that would have destroyed him. I mean, there is a plan. There's a time to be born and a time to die. And John Trapp, a great theologian many centuries ago, said that uh, if I had a time to die, I would want to die the exact moment God wants me to die whether it's young or whether it's old or whatever the condition is. A rabbi wrote a hit book three years ago called Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? Mm -hmm. Does that ever worry you? Uh, no, it doesn't, because I believe that, uh, that uh, God is in charge. He's sovereign. He's not going to let anything happen to me that hasn't been planned so he, for he, my good. God he, is a good God. He let Hitler happen. He let Hitler happen for a purpose, perhaps, and I don't even know the purpose. Maybe it was to bring uh, some judgment upon the world, or maybe it was like he, he said, Cyrus, Israel. not the state of Israel. I well, don't maybe think. it was for the purpose of performing this. Well, you know, no, Hitler, three no times, Israel, three times in the, in the book of Jeremiah, he says, Nebuchadnezzar, my servant. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of the most pagan empire in the world at that time. But God was using him 
in, in a way that the people of that day didn't understand. And there was a man that was, the, that was his uh, prime minister by the name of Daniel the prophet. And there was another great prophet by the name of Ezekiel who was working down on the river. He never, he thought Daniel probably was a collaborator. He thought Daniel was, was compromising to be up there with the, with the emperor as his prime minister. But he wasn't. He was in God's plan. God had each one of them in different places at the same time doing his work. You never waver in your faith. No. Billy Graham, the book Facing Death. Back with a few more phone calls. First these words. Uh, with Billy Graham, uh, a few more calls we'll get in. Uh, I would imagine the toughest part of ministering is visiting someone who's dying. In it, it, it's a tough part, but it's a glorious part. When you go in and see someone who you know is terminally ill, who you know is going to die, and they are believers, it's a happy, wonderful experience. If you go in and see someone who's not a believer, uh, then that's the tough part because uh, he's so unhappy and sometimes almost screaming. Lakeland, Florida, hello. Good evening, Larry, Reverend Graham. First of all, thank you, Reverend, for your wonderful ministry over the years. Thank you. My question to you, sir, is what do you tell a young person whose life is before them and who has recently acquired AIDS through a blood transfusion about God's will and his compassion for mankind? I had that experience already. Um, I, was, I conducted the funeral of Randolph Scott, who was a... Uh, uh, a film star and a longtime friend of mine. And uh, there was a, a man that had AIDS that was one of the nurses taking care of him, and he had just found out that uh, he didn't have more than maybe six to eight weeks. I went into a bedroom in the home that we went to, and I put my arm around him, and I talked to him, and I told him that God loved him and that God would forgive him for whatever sin he might have committed and that he was not to feel a sense of guilt over all of this, that he was to throw this guilt over on Christ because that's the reason Christ died on the cross, to take his guilt and his sin and but his failure. God let him get AIDS, though. God let him get AIDS, and uh, God is letting uh, thousands get AIDS, and that it may, the whole human race may be destroyed by AIDS before it's over. I was listening to the reports from London tonight on the new conference they're having. And there's a new, new virus, maybe. There's a new strain in the... HIV. Uh, one more call for uh, Billy Graham. Uh, Charleston, South Carolina. The book is Facing Death. Hello. Hello, Larry. Yes. Good evening. Good evening, Dr. Graham. Good evening. Uh, how do you feel about the stories of persons who claim to have seen either heaven or hell during clinical death? Yeah. We recently did a show on that. Uh, yes. Uh, I think that uh, there are people. Uh, I, I remember my mother, or I remember my grandmother. My grandmother was uh, declared clinically dead, or at least she was in a coma. This was many years ago. And uh, she suddenly sat up in bed and she said, I see Jesus. I see uh, Benjamin. That was her uh, husband who had lost a leg in the, in the, at Gettysburg. Mm. And she suddenly fell back in bed and she was gone. And uh, my own mother uh, seemed to talk from heaven several times as though she was already there. And she asked the nurse several times, are all the children on the train? She wanted to be sure that all of us, her four children, were on the train with her and that we were going to go to the same place she was going. I envy you your faith. Oh, thank you. And thank you for your prayers. Billy Graham, the book is Facing Death and the Life After. It is published by Word Books. Tomorrow afternoon at uh, noon, watch Rona Barrett sit in for uh, 
Sonia on Sonia Live from L.A. Rona will have great guests, and we always thank her for sitting in on this show. We'll see her for two hours tomorrow. Tomorrow night on this program, Jonathan Winters for the full hour. Next Monday night, Reverend Richard Dorch in an exclusive appearance, the former president of the PTL. We'll be with you in one hour on the Mutual Broadcasting System with the Larry King Radio Show.